Hello and welcome back to the Gorporium. <coughs> and uh, welcome to Top 10 Slashers Edition. I'm your host, Fox. And I'm your other host, Bella. And we're just two gore whores who recreationally enjoy being chained up in the basement every full moon. Just a bit of fun. Certainly haven't been bitten by anything recently. Wink wonk. Certainly not. It's actually just a fetish thing. (laughs) (laughs) How dare you reveal that (laughs) to our customers. I actually think it's a full moon tonight, so let's hurry up and get on with this. Right, well, I've got my list sorted and ready to go, so... As have I. Let's begin. I'm very excited to be doing this this special with yeah, you. Yeah, special episode. I'm excited too. I'm, I'm really intrigued. We've kept our top tens from each other. I have no idea what Fox is going to say. Yeah, I'm so, completely in the dark about a single choice of yours. Wonderful. So let's start with, um, are slashers like a favourite genre of yours? Like of horror subgenres, where do slashers kind of rank for you? On the whole, they're definitely, like, in the top. I don't really know what I would prefer over them. Maybe, like, I don't know, because Paranormal is a big mixed bag because I hate exorcism movies. Yeah. But I like ghost movies, especially, like, Victorian ghost movies. But anyways, unimportant. I do think slashes are the easiest to define. Yeah. So it's tricky when I'm like thinking about subgenres that maybe I prefer they're less definable so my brain just goes like oh what's a you know a horror subgenre that I like slasher slashers I think you kind of always know a little bit what to expect with a slasher which is always fun like you can't you sit down you're like I know yeah I know what's gonna I know what I'm getting into however when it twists that and it does something that you don't expect within a slasher film, that's even better. Because you're like, you sit down and you're like, okay, well, I know a bunch of teenagers are going to get killed in brutal ways, but then it like twists it up and it's like, oh, but I don't, I mean, I'm trying to think of an example now. Oh, it was all a dream or I don't know, some stupid shit like that, but you're like, yes, you broke my expectations. Or the killer is one of the teams. Yeah, something like that. It just is always fun. I look forward to seeing what horribly creative ways they can find to kill people. That's one of the most exciting parts of a slasher to me, is just being like, what can they do now? I've seen stabbings. I've seen (laughs) beheadings. I've seen... Yeah, how how inventive can we What are we going to do now? Within sort of a set rules and regulations. Yeah. Um, and I also love the final girls. The final girls yes. are one of my favourite parts of a slasher. Or final boys. <laughs> or final boys. I mean, w- give me give me an example of a final boy. Well, I kind of don't want to because I don't oh, yeah, want to we'll do just spoilers. Spoil shit. Yeah, very true. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, so this episode we're actually going to try and avoid spoilers yeah. more than usual. <laughs> more like, than usual because we... usually we're just like, fuck it. If you haven't seen the film... 
then we're going to spoil it for you. But yeah, so you're a slasher fan, I as am. am I. Yeah, well, we know this. I think I prioritise slashers in general because I find them easy watching, and it probably is because they are so definable yeah and we you sort of know what to expect and they're like they're a little formulaic but i like that about them yeah that's not a bad thing no i I think it works and you know so i i'm presented with maybe a list of 10 horror movies to pop on for the evening i think nine times out of ten i'll prioritize the slasher because i just know i'll have fun a good time to some degree Whereas other things can be a bit more hit or miss because they're not so formulaic. Yeah. Yeah, you just don't really know. Like, especially, as I was saying, paranormal stuff, like paranormal horror is like, it's, I always find that to be really hit or miss. Yeah, absolutely. So, Fox, what was the first slasher that you ever watched? So, my first ever slasher was Friday the 13th from 1980. Um, Slashers tend to be rated... 18 in the uk like that seems like sort of the standard for them yeah um versus like stuff that's more like ghostly yeah that's usually 12 or 15 maybe yeah so it took me longer to get into them because i wasn't like allowed to see them i would be allowed to watch stuff like the ring remake and whatnot but really like violent slashes that were rated 18 not so much not until i was in my mid-teens and then i was really weird for a long time about watching stuff that was basically older than the than the 21st century <laughs> nah. I was like, old stuff's boring old stuff's gonna be bad yeah so and then once i broke out of that i found so many good slashes but at the time I didn't really watch very many slashes. There wasn't that many that were from the twenty, the early 2000s. So yeah, but yeah, I saw Friday the 13th first because mum was like, so old. I'm sure it's nothing worse than what you've already seen. <laughs> so let me watch that. And I hated it. <laughs> oh no. And I still don't like it at all. I, I still don't like the first one at all. We'll get into that a little bit later, how yeah. I feel about all the Friday the 13th movies. But I'll say that out of the 12 of them, and I haven't seen them all. I think I've seen nine of them. I would say the first one is my least favorite. I don't know because I've not... I don't... I think I must have seen the first one, but... If I can't remember, yeah. that's a bad sign, right? No, it's, I just find it really dull. I think it's funny that Kevin Bacon's in it, and that's that's sort of, very like, true. I it. like Kevin Bacon. That's about it. <laughs> but yeah, I'm glad that slashes are having such like a resurgence now because mm. I just feel like they weren't really a big deal when I was in my early teens, or even just as a teenager on a whole. No, it wasn't really. I mean, there was a lot of remakes. But there was that was remakes. even more sort of like early, early 2000s rather than sort of 2010s when we were both teenagers. Yeah, um, definitely there was like, you know, the My Bloody Valentine remake and the Friday the 13th remake. And that's all I really knew of slashes. So I'm glad they're getting such a great resurgence now. Yeah. And, you know, I'm also glad that I'm an adult who likes old movies now and prefers <laughs> old movies. I like my movies at least 40 years old. Fair enough. And... And I've now found so many good slashes. Excellent. Well, that's why we're here to talk about them. I think my first slasher 
because you would have shown it to me. And so I was trying to think pretty desperately about which would have been my first. And I'm thinking it's probably either... No, you know what? I think it's got to be House of Wax. Do you think House of Wax is a slasher? Yes. Mm. Well, we're going to have a problem if it's not. (laughs) Um, I... Yeah, you know what? I think it is too. I think it is. Uh, we, I'll, t- I'll discuss with you why later. Yeah. Um. The reason I'm feeling, the only reason I'm feeling doubtful about it is because I did bring this up to people before, and I was like, because I was rewatching it on my own, and I messaged some people, being like, "Do you think House of Wax 2005 is a slasher?" And everyone said no. No, and it I was is. Like, well, I was like, well, what is it then? They were like, well, it's like backwards. And I was like, I think backwards and slashes can be the same, but it's not really backwards. backwards. Mm, There's backwards aspects to it. But yeah, we don't have to debate it. I do agree with you. I think it's a slasher. Okay, well, we'll talk about it in a bit. (laughs) Let's get into that. Yeah. What makes a slasher? Okay. What are the rules of a slasher? So give me one. I'll give you one. I think this one's really important. I didn't consider this until I was reading about what other people consider the rules of slashers to be. So a general focus on fast, violent deaths rather than drawn-out, torture-related deaths. That's not hard and fast, but if the Mm -hmm. majority of the kills are torture, then it's not a slasher. Whereas if the majority of the kills are sort of fast, violent, and then there's maybe like one torture sequence, then it's a slasher. Okay, I can I can agree with that. I think that the killer must be human, or at least was born human. Yeah, humanoid to some degree. Mm-hmm. I think this one's quite interesting. Again, not a hard and fast rule, um, but I think it's good and is a slasher often when the film begins with a prologue kill or like a voiceover segment kind of a thing. So like Michael's sister and Halloween, you know, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. There's always a prologue kill with the first person dies and then it's always like one year later and it's the people of the town yeah. reeling over that horrible murder <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. That is, yeah, they do I feel that like that's in, pretty um, intrinsic. Happens in my screen. My bloody Valentine does yep. that too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that there's certain things that if they don't have it, it doesn't mean that it's not a slasher, but a lot of slashers do, do have, have it. Yeah. Okay, so this is sort of a huge one for me. One killer or multiple killers posing as a single entity. Yes, very much agreed. That's why like hostel isn't a slasher along with the reason that it's torture. And it's the same reason that The Purge, I don't think, is a slasher. Definitely not. Or, like, Green Room or whatever. Even though there's a lot of violence, they're not slashers. Yeah, totally different thing. Another one that is, and that has to be true, at least three people die, I reckon. Yeah, like, same rules as what makes a serial killer. (laughs) Yeah. Minimum. Otherwise, Three kills and up. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would say even ideally four. Like a kill even count, ideally a body four. count of of three in a slasher is a little low to me, but I think minimum three is a rule that yes. yeah. I like. Must use a bladed weapon. Yeah. No guns. No guns. Mm. Guns, guns make it a, like a fucking mafia movie or some shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's an action movie where yeah. you bring guns into it. I think, yeah, well, the, it's in the name slasher. It should be a bladed weapon. And not all of the kills have to be 
like that. No. I just think that that should be, like, their primary way of killing. Their primary choice. So, like, in Scream, obviously, that they use the knife, but yeah. then there is also the the doggy door, doggy door yeah. kill, yes. which does not use any kind of bladed weapon. It simply crushes. It's just unfortunate. <laughs> yeah, so not every kill has to involve the said bladed weapon, but there should be a bladed weapon of some sort. Yeah, like, that's their primary and use. And that really allows for a lot of weaponry too because like saws and all kinds yeah. are technically like bladed weapons just no guns no, no guns. guns no guns and yeah this is i mean as much as i love a shotgun death and it does happen sometimes in slashes because shotguns are fucking nasty oh yeah i think it's okay to have a shotgun have in it it just if but every single person dies by a shotgun it's not a slasher it's not a slasher very very true very true I think another good rule is that the slasher is usually disguised or their face is obstructed in some way. Yeah, like hidden by shot framing or lighting. Or they're wearing a mask. Yeah, I think that that just always always works. That just always is the case. (laughs) Yeah, I, I personally feel like I don't really like ones where it's just some dude and we totally see who it is. Yeah, we know who it is. I'm like, well... I mean, I think it sometimes works on a more psychological level where you're supposed to kind of get in the mind of the killer or whatever, but... Definitely with, like, proto-slashes and stuff. Yeah. That's sort of... It's a bit different, but um, in a modern slasher, I would like... I would like a mask, please. (laughs) Please, I want a mask. I agree with you very much. Right, so before we get into our top tens, would you actually like to preface your list at all? Um, okay. So... Keep in mind that I am but a child to this genre, um, because I didn't start She's watching horror 21. films. I'm only 21. You vultures. I hate... <laughs> yeah, don't be mean to me. Um, I only really started getting into horror when I was probably about 13 or 14, because before that I fucking hated it. The scariest film I'd watched before that point was Coraline, and it that film is still scary. You continued to hate it for a while too. Like I did, you, yeah. You were coming around at fourteen, but you I weren't wasn't a huge fan. No, for sure. um, but now it's my whole life is dedicated to it. So I don't know what happened there, <laughs> yeah. but here we are. So, but my picks are probably going to be between the two of us. My picks are going to be more kind of basic, like mm-hmm. kind of more well-known stuff more yeah. cult classic kind of stuff rather than anything a bit left field it's gonna be it's gonna be kind of what you expect i would you're have not, thought you're not gonna hit the deep cuts as as hard i don't think so i don't think i mean there to might be, be honest, a couple i don't know that i have either really i think you know when you're doing a top 10 list Sometimes movies are popular because they are good, and that's yeah. that's it. Yeah, that's so. that's how I feel about my list. Is like, yeah, these are all films that everyone who loves slashers loves, but there's a reason that all the slasher fans love these films because yeah. they're good. Like that's just how it goes. But there might be some on there that surprise you guys, so we'll see. All right, I'm excited. What about yours? I would just like to say that I think everyone's going to be mad at me for some of the movies that I've chosen (laughs) or some of the movies that I haven't chosen. Um, But I do feel very confident in the contents of my top 10, but I'm a little shaky on the actual order. My top five, my top five is perfect. My bottom five, I'm like, hmm. 
they could go in any order. Maybe go there. Yeah, really. I mean, they do have an order, but I I suffered to get it, and I still don't know if I'm happy with it. Yeah, I'm and there's the same. some movies that I w- I wanted to include, and it was a real struggle for that top ten spot kind of thing. Yeah, like, there's they're some fighting like, for it. Ooh. Which is why we will also be giving you our honourable mentions at the end. Indeed. So do you have any predictions for my list? (laughs) I reckon there's going to be at least two Jarlos. Okay. Like, minimum. I think. I mean, Uh (laughs) look, I could be wrong. I think there's going to be, yeah, so two Italian Jarlos. I think there's going to be, like, a shitty 2000s one that you have on there despite your best wishes. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> I think that there is gonna be, um, <laughs> I think there's gotta be Black Christmas on there. I just think there is. Okay. <laughs> All right. That's it. I don't want to. I don't want. I don't want to guess too much. I want to be surprised. All right. I only have one guess that I'm gonna make for yours. Please. I think that Scream 1996 is your number one slasher movie. We all just have to wait and see. <laughs> All right. I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right actually can i get i want to see if i can guess your number one as well okay i'm gonna guess oh actually this is difficult fuck um i'm gonna <laughs> guess that your number one is deep red okay interesting by dario agento so we'll see we'll see we'll see all right well we'll see we will okay i'm excited all right. it's gonna be fun it's like a game let's do it all right it's time for the top 10 Coming in at number 10. He wants to slash their prices. He wants to cut their inventory. In fact, he wants to chop until they all drop. I'm just crazy about this store. Intruder. Is Intruder from 1989. He's just crazy about this store. (laughs) It's my favorite (laughs) tagline. Hilarious tagline. Uh, So, Intruder. Have you seen Intruder? You watched it with me, didn't you? Yes. Okay. So, Intruder was written and directed by Scott Spiegel. So, you may have heard of him seeing as he co-wrote The Evil Dead 2, which is one of my top five favorite horror movies of all time of any subgenre. Yeah. And uh yeah, so Intruder is set in a grocery store, which I think is a really fun and sort of unusual slasher setting and basically does what it says on the tin. There's an intruder and the grocery store workers who are on there on the night shift like stacking shelves and whatnot uh begin to get picked off one by one. But is the intruder actually one of them? Dun, dun, dun. So, why it's number 10? I think it's really underrated, and it's got some of my just favorite kills of all time in it. They're all really memorable and incredibly gory. Fuck with amazing yeah. practical effects. Like, the practical effects in this movie, like, blew me away. And... You know, I think the characters were really funny and sort of likable. And, like, did it reinvent the wheel? Perhaps not. But 
but it's fucking fun. If I want to watch a really fun slasher that is made with love, made by sort of a group of friends, you know, they've put their all into it and all their money into it. Yeah, they've given it have... us some great kills. It has Ted and Sam Raimi in it, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, being little pals, lovely. Yeah, the the Raimi brothers and Bruce Campbell were involved in this, which made it like an immediate, I must watch this movie. And it lived up to the hype for me. I really loved it. I gave it five out of five stars. And it, especially being made on such a low budget of only $130,000, I think that it's great. Yeah. So my favorite kill is the partial decapitation via the bandsaw, which is actually a kill Excellent. referenced in Fear Street 1994. It if is? you've seen it, you know the one. It is the unforgettable one. We were shocked that they showed, like, as much as they did. Yeah, they show the whole fucking thing. They don't shy away. It doesn't cut away at all. You see the whole shebang. The whole kit and caboodle. It is really brutal, and I thought it was just amazing, and I think about it all the time. Yeah. And a little fun fact for you. So, kind of riding off the success of the Evil Dead films, Bruce Campbell, Sam Raimi, and Ted Raimi were all, like, heavily promoted as, like, the stars of this movie. Their names (laughs) feature prominently on, like, the video and DVD artwork, and none of them are the stars of the picture. Like, Bruce Campbell appears as a cameo at best. (laughs) Yeah, he's not- I, like, barely even remembered him being in it. Like, the brothers are, like, main characters, but they're not the protagonist or anything. No. They're just sort of one of the night shift workers, and you get a couple of scenes of them. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Excellent. What's your number 10? Coming in at number 10. You're saying that that's a real person underneath? They're all wax, everyone. What's going on? house of wax 2005 excellent okay i'm actually glad that that's your number 10 oh, as yeah. you kind of spoiled that you were gonna put yeah, it yeah that's what i wouldn't have spoiled it otherwise i was like i know it's coming up first so yeah all right so i've got two <laughs> taglines one of them is pray slay display and the other one is my favorite <laughs> tagline which is on may 6th see paris die which <laughs> paris hilton promoted yeah it's fucking fantastic <laughs> it's promotion revolved heavily around getting to see paris hilton die which in retrospect is probably very misogynistic but however i do love it i do well, love i do love it too this is a piece of trivia it's not the piece of trivia that i've chosen but apparently she was the first cast and they cast everyone else around her like it was based on her oh interesting okay yeah okay so 2005, directed by Jaume Colette Sarah and written by Chad and Kerry Hayes. Group of teens, car breaks down, classic. They end up in a strange touristy trap thing of a wax figure filled but empty town. Chaos ensues as they try to escape a very waxy and very hot death. <laughs> um, <laughs> the film. Hot death. <laughs> not, not sexy, but just like high temperature. <laughs> There's a lot of fire in that film. (laughs) The film, despite being panned by critics at the time, does have a great cult following, of which I am part of that cult. I love it. Why it's number 10, however. Great atmosphere. Very unique concept. I mean, obviously it was Mm -hmm. based on the 50s film House of Wax, but only by name, really. 
other than yeah, that. Yeah, it doesn't share much in it common with it. It doesn't share anything, I don't think. And all-round fun performances and effects. I mean, the performances are, like, not very good, but it's just fun. It's got Chad Michael yeah. Murray in it. It's got Paris Hilton in it. It's got Jared Padalecki. What else could you ask for? It's got an MCR song. Yeah, very true. Helena is the fucking end credit song yeah (laughs) so i mean it's perfect everything that an early 2000s horror movie should be really i'm obsessed with wax figures because i'm scared of them and so anything to do with them works works for me the only reason it's not higher on my list is probably because it's not actually very good but i absolutely love (laughs) it so it had to go on there somewhere but it, it takes a tenth takes my 10th okay. spot all right fair enough my favorite kill is when a character is turned partly into wax like covered in wax and then their face is flayed off by accident when the other characters are trying to free them from their like waxy prison but it just kills them instead <laughs> <laughs> it's really tragic so they're like fucked. we're gonna get you out of here buddy and i'm like the wax is cemented to his skin you can't take it off yeah. now i always remember just watching that that just being like please stop <laughs> stop taking his skin off stop. oh stop he's already dead <laughs> and the reason i think it's a slasher is because actually when i was going through the kills of this film of which there are a lot a lot of yes. them are like tendons are cut through like a grate someone is stabbed in the face with a pipe someone is like it's none of it almost none of the deaths are to do with wax so i was like these are these are slashings i agree yeah i think so um and anyone feel free to argue with me but i think it's a slasher um and then my piece of trivia is that the film was nominated for three razzies including worst picture Worst Supporting Actress of Paris Hilton and Worst Remake or Sequel. <laughs> Oof. Oh, God. That, that stings. <laughs> Damn. Man, that's got to hurt. Poor House of Wax. Poor House well, of Wax. Well, luckily, it, it is better. Um, beloved by many nowadays. Yes. <laughs> so, there you go. That's my number 10. At number nine, and y'all are going to be mad at me for this. Okay. I spent eight years trying to reach him, and then another seven trying to keep him locked up because I realized that what was living behind that boy's eyes was purely and simply evil. Halloween. Is Halloween 1978. Oh. It only makes ninth place on my list. Interesting. The night he came home. So, uh... (laughs) Let me let me get to justifying this. Um, the iconic Halloween is obviously an independently made American slasher movie. It was directed and scored by John Carpenter and was Jamie Lee Curtis's film debut. To summarize the plot, a young boy named Michael Myers is sentenced to life in a psychiatric hospital for murdering his older sister on Halloween when he was only six years old. Fifteen years later, he escapes, and despite his best efforts from his psychiatrist, Dr. Loomis, to contain him, he stalks a babysitter and her friends and picks them off one by one. I mean, it's predictable, (laughs) obviously, to have Halloween on the list. Yeah. You know, full stop. It was one of the first sort of, like, really successful slashers, and is even seen as, like, the first slasher by some. 
Not me, though. And um, (laughs) and whilst it's not my favorite on the list, I even like I even debated putting it at number 10. It's completely down to personal preference rather than the film itself, which I think is damn near perfect and genuinely scary. Like the opening POV is really shocking. I'm a big fan of Carpenter's director style. And this is even though this isn't my favorite film of his, my favorite film of his is The Thing. Me too. His work is always of like a really high standard and Jamie Lee Curtis is a great lead. And I mean, there's not really much to say about Halloween that hasn't already been said, Mm. but um, I'm sure it's apparent why it's in my top 10. Why it's number nine is um, the kills aren't really like that memorable to me. Maybe I find it a little, little boring. I don't know. I just, I don't find myself in the mood for it very often. This is making it sound like I don't like it. I absolutely (laughs) do. (laughs) You're trying to justify why it's so low down and instead it just like makes you sound like you absolutely despise it. Yeah, now I'm like, why is this on my list? (laughs) Um, No, I I do love it. I, I do really like the characters. I think they're all really, they are interesting. I think Michael Myers is one of the better franchise slasher villains. But yeah, maybe it just isn't my cup of tea all of the time. That's fair. Versus, I think that's reasonable. Versus ones that are higher up on this list that maybe I find more more fun. Maybe I just don't find Halloween like that fun, but I think it's really good. Yeah, okay. That's fair enough. Um, my favorite kill from it is getting pinned through the chest and stuck to the wall with a butcher's knife. I think that that's good. It's a classic. And little fun fact for you, from a budget of only $300,000, the film then went on to gross $47 million at the US box office. Uh, in 2008, takings that would be equivalent of $150 million, which makes Halloween one of the most successful independent films of all time. So good for them. Woo-hoo. And it was definitely like, yeah, the first slasher, I guess, that was that made it really big. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Okay, so at number nine... I'm just crazy about this store. Intruder. Intruder. (laughs) Um, So this one should be fairly quick because Fox just kindly covered it. (laughs) You're welcome. Yeah, thank you. I'm glad it made your list too. I absolutely thought it was one that you weren't even really going to think twice about. No, I love it. I love that film. Ah, It's got some good kills. I think the reason it... I mean, we've already talked about it, so I won't go into too much detail. But yeah, the reason it makes my top 10 is the kills are so interesting. They're unique. There's stuff that I haven't just, I just haven't seen before. And they just did not shy away from it either. They were just like, we're going to show you there's a whole fucking thing and it's going to be brutal. (laughs) And there's like weird shit where like someone dies and then the killer uses their body as like a puppet like lure the other kids yeah. into the fucking freezer or whatever it's nasty <laughs> it's cruel it's funny it's weird it's camp and it's weird as shit yeah it's love great. it so what's your favorite kill my favorite kill i was torn between this one and your choice which was the bandsaw but my choice yeah. is actually the hydraulic compact death because that's 
fucked up. That's my second favorite. <laughs> it's fucked up, man. And again, you see the whole thing. You just see their head get <laughs> at the, compacted it's in one smushed. of those like, cardboard box compactors. <laughs> oh, so good. Nasty. And then my piece of trivia is that it was shot in just two weeks using only short ends of film, which is just like the ends of like unexposed ends of film that had been used to make other more important things. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah, so it was made for oh, basically God. nothing. So it's just short yeah. ends all stitched together. Yeah, uh, love it. Okay, love it. I'm glad. I'm. Oh, I'm glad we're both showing it some love. Yeah, I think it deserves it. It's underrated. Like genuinely, I don't use that very yeah. often because I think that. No, I don't either. But I do think Intruder's underrated. All right, coming in at number eight. In this town on Valentine's Day, everybody loses their heart. Roses are red, violets are blue. One is dead, and so are you. Is My Bloody Valentine from 1981. Oh. Harry's out to steal your heart. So, um, My Bloody Valentine is a Canadian slasher directed by George Mialka and written by John Beard. Uh, Like Halloween, it's based around a holiday and horrible things that have occurred on that particular day in the past. And in the case of Valentine's Bluff, which is a small, poorly named rural mining town, (laughs) they've uh, altogether banned Valentine's Day for the past 20 years. But they've decided it's been long enough since the crimes of the past. Let's bring the Valentine's Day dance back. This, of course, ends up being a huge mistake for the inhabitants and young miners of the town. So, why it's at number eight? I'm really lucky to have gotten to see the re-release with the nine minutes of cut gore put back in. Oh, yeah. Because the gore is one of the best parts of this film, and they cut so much from it. Like, if you've seen the cut version, you haven't seen this movie. Nine minutes of kills <laughs> and violence insane. is cut from it. That's a lot. And it's, like, the best bits of the movie yeah. are the bits that were cut, pretty much. <laughs> like, or at least, like, yeah, any of the good kills or anything. I'm like, if you watch the cut version, I'm not even sure how you'd know what was happening. <laughs> They chopped so much of it. No. Well, you would just be like, wait, is that person dead? I didn't know they died. We didn't see it at <laughs> yeah, all. You just don't see. <laughs> but yeah, the, the gore is one of the best parts of this film, but as is the way it doesn't actually circulate around teenagers for once, but instead working class adults in a small town, which I liked better. And it yeah. makes it stand out from the crowd. And it's like devoid of having those same morality messages that comes with the sort of pot smoking, sex having, teen centric slashes. And the characters get to feel a bit more like fleshed out and realistic rather than being sort of stereotypes and walking metaphors. Which is nice. I like seeing stuff about adults. Yeah, me too. In fact, like the likability of the characters make this especially good because you don't want them to die, which makes it a bit more gripping than films full of just annoying people getting butchered, which can obviously still be a lot of fun. And I'm not saying I hate teen slashes at all. This list is going to be full of them, but... uh, (laughs) It's unavoidable. Yeah, but rooting for your favorites to survive makes it a lot scarier. And it's it's a good mystery because it's one of those where you you literally don't know who the killer is, but it's one of the townspeople kind of thing. I like those ones. 
like I enjoy I enjoy ones where we straight up know who the killer is too, like Michael Myers or Freddy Krueger. I think that's great, and I think that could be really fun. But I do like I do like a who done it. Gotta say, me too. Yeah, I have a lot of who done it's in my list. It's it's one of my favorites. Yeah, one of my favorite slasher sub tropes. <laughs> And my favorite kill. So the saddest is probably the first one that involves the dryer in the laundromat. But the best... Oh, God, I forgot about that. I know. And then the best gore, though, is definitely the pickaxe. It goes in through the underneath of the jaw and out through the eye socket. Ah, a classic. Reused later again in the remake Indeed it is. And a little fun fact, the film was actually shot in authentic mines which were often up to like 900 feet underground and only certain lighting devices could be used in the mines because of the potential danger of methane explosions yeah i was gonna say explode in everything and i'm like that would be so stressful as a filming (laughs) like that's awful (laughs) it would probably put everyone on good acting skills though for seeming really afraid and on edge because like you're just genuinely stressed out (laughs) yeah one fucking like light bulb goes and you all go up in flames it's the end oh yeah 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 i love that movie times it's yeah a great one thanks to beck for uh showing that one to me yeah right coming in at number eight for me Have you ever heard of Candyman? If you look in the mirror, you say his name five times. Candyman. Candyman, we dare you to say his name five times. Oh, yeah. So, 1992 film written and directed by Bernard Rose and based on a short story by Clive Barker, the icon that he is. Mm Mm-hmm. Film follows Helen Lyle, a graduate student of semiotics, who learns of the urban legend known as the Candyman and of a murder accredited to him in a local apartment building. As she uncovers more about the local legend, she finds herself in increasingly dangerous situations and the lines of her reality blur. I wrote that. I, that's not even copied and pasted, but it sounds like it is. <laughs> Look at you. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So, the reason it's at number eight for me is that it stands out from a lot of other slashes because it makes more of a kind of a, like a, a social commentary yeah, on yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's social political commentary. Yeah, so it's a complicated and interesting plotline. Um, you really like the protagonist and her friend Bernadette because you actually do want to root for them. And again, it's about adults, which is interesting, like married adults who are just trying to, like, survive. And actually, the slasher himself, the Candyman, is deceptively sympathetic and kind of romantic. He's kind of a romantic character. Yeah, it's a weird one. And I like him. (laughs) Yeah. I like him a lot. He's like, because, you know, people are always talking about how they want to fuck slasher villains or whatever. Yes. The Candyman is the only one who I've ever felt that for. (laughs) He's got a very good fur coat. That's very valid of you. Not whilst he's covered in bees, though. No, probably not. Um, <laughs> the performances are great. And yeah, it tackles some difficult stuff surrounding like race and class divisions within inner cities. The original story was based in Liverpool, which is Clive Barker's hometown in yeah. England, obviously. Interesting. But the film is set in Chicago. Yeah. But it's still, it still, it carries the same points about class division, Absolutely. which is very interesting. 
and it delivers on the gore and the brutality, but it still feels very nuanced and like intelligent. It does. Plus, it's it's elevated a bees. little bit. <laughs> Lots of bees. Plus killer bees, and those are all real bees. I know. There's no fake bees in that whole fucking movie. <laughs> real bees. <laughs> So, I mean, my favorite kill, there's a lot of hook hand killing. So <laughs> it's kind of just like take your pick from the hook hand killing. Yeah. But, you know, whatever. A good hack to your spinal cord kind of has to win out sometimes. Uh, so, yeah. Fine. Understandable. And then piece of trivia for you. Tony Todd, who plays the eponymous Candyman himself, negotiated a bonus of $1,000 for every bee sting he <laughs> suffered during filming. He was stung 23 times. So he got a, <laughs> a, little a bonus. neat, a little tidy bonus of $23,000. I would lie. I'd be like, I was stung 150 oh. times. <laughs> oh my God. So funny. I'm happy for him, though. It's what he deserves. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's a great one. Great I love choice. It. Great choice. I'm very excited about the remake that's coming up. Me too. I'm going to go see it in the cinema and it's going to be good. Yes. All right. At number seven. Every year, hundreds of young people travel the country and disappear. God help those who get caught in the tourist trap. Is Tourist Trap from 1979. Oh. Every year, young girls disappear. So, <laughs> Tourist Trap is a deep cut. Tourist Trap kind of is a deep cut, but I fully respect you for this decision. <laughs> so, Tourist Trap is a supernatural slasher movie, uh, which was directed by David Schmoller, and it to my glee revolves around a group of friends who stop at a roadside museum full of wax mannequins so there's a yeah there's a theme that's happening with both of our lists that we like <laughs> weird little puppets and like wax <laughs> mannequins and anything that's sort of like that yeah will yeah. normally go down pretty well with us yeah always said roadside museum is run by a creepy but friendly uh, eccentric man with a slightly less friendly and masked brother who has telekinetic powers. <laughs> so, you know what, actually? I'm realising how similar Taurus Trap is to House of Wax. Well, see, I remake. think, and this is my personal theory, so I think it took the name from the Vincent Price 1953 House of Wax, but I truly yeah. believe it took the plot from Taurus Trap 1979. I think you're right. It's way closer to Taurus Trap it's, than it is to the 50s one. It doesn't have the supernatural aspect of it, but no. in, in almost every other way, it's nearly identical to Taurus Trap. Yeah. It takes some slightly different, like, roots. It's super weird <laughs> in Taurus Trap. And they've made it a bit more, like, coherent. <laughs> yeah, Taurus Trap is kind of a mess, but I do love it. Yeah. So, but I truly think that House of Wax 2005 is more of a remake of Taurus Trap. They just didn't call it that because, I don't know, maybe Taurus Trap didn't have a, as big of a name you know, I don't think it did as well. Yeah, I don't think it did. Maybe, I don't know how well it did at the time. Maybe the old House of Wax movie was better known. I don't know. Maybe they didn't base it off of it, but it seems suspiciously similar. Yeah. So why it's at number seven? I find this movie 
genuinely creepy. It is. Actually so unsettling. I remember watching it with you and being like, oh, oh God. I (laughs) I don't like his voice. Oh, look at his little mask and stuff. The mask itself is really one of my favorites of all time. And his voice is so creepy. And the killer has supernatural powers, so controls all of the mannequins at the museum. And he makes them, like, laugh and run and attack. And it's fun. I like him. From this description, you can probably gauge that that this movie is not only, like, creepy, but it's also absolutely bonkers. It, it really it's is. It's very silly. It's really weird and, and camp, it but fun. doesn't really feel like your typical slasher. I think maybe because it's pre-Friday the 13th. I mean, it, it is in the regard that there's teenagers getting slashed at a, <laughs> a location, but it's weird. It's really weird because we kind of got into it. We were like, how are the mannequins laughing and like running around? Like... <laughs> You yeah. know what I mean? Be- and then they're like, oh, we can answer that. He has telekinesis. And you're like, oh, uh, now I'm still confused. <laughs> yeah, uh, okay, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Fine. So it's not very predictable, which I like, because it's so bizarre. And yeah, I think in the 80s, I found personally that Slashers got a little too formulaic, perhaps. I think there was just like endless Friday the 13th knockoffs basically yeah and for me i prefer singing mannequins and chaotic extremely chatty killers it's just very very my cup of tea and also tanya roberts in it so hot true i i agree with you i think the standout part of that film is that that the killer is really like weird and like super talkative which is unusual for a slasher he wears a mask but you can't shut the dude up like he's just can't no he's worse than freddy <laughs> yeah and freddy like won't stop cracking the one-liners <laughs> like in this in, in taurus trap he's, he's always just like you know why my brother makes me wear this mask it's because i'm so handsome he can't abide my <laughs> handsome face my sickening <laughs> handsome face and you're just like what is happening like, man come on <laughs> I think it's really, really fun. I, I'm i sure lots of people think that this is a trash movie, and that's okay. No, I love it. But I like trash, and so it's 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 above Halloween for me. That's See, maybe that's where people will have a point of contention <laughs> with you, but that's okay. I respect I you. I think that's just people's problem, full stop, with my list. It's just that Halloween is at number nine, and I've put these movies like, above it. They're going to be mad it. about it. <laughs> So my favorite kill from Taurus Trap is the slow suffocation via having face covered in plaster. It's not gory at all, but it's the like one of the most disturbing kills I have ever seen because he oh, it narrates their own death to them as he's smothering them in plaster to make like a cast of their face. And he's like, your heart's going to die of fright before you suffocate or whatever. And it's freaky. It like... Str- yeah, it's just nasty. It made me feel claustrophobic and stressed out. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And a little fun fact, this movie was a PG in America. <laughs> oh, 
my god. I guess because it isn't that gory. Well, interestingly, it received an X rating in the UK and pretty much was oh like an 18 or an R or whatever, like everywhere else. But in the US, it was only a PG. And the director, David Schmoller, was absolutely shocked by this. I'm shocked by that too, David Schmoller. Like, despite its subject matter. And he perceived, like, what he perceived as, like, graphic violence. Like, there's a bit... The first kill in it, someone gets stabbed with a pipe, and then all oh, the yeah. blood runs out of the pipe. And like that bit yeah, with, the, right. with the singing mannequins and stuff—that's fucked up. It's <laughs> horrible. Children no, should I be agree. watching I this. And he felt like it would have probably had a much more, been much more commercially successful if it had actually received an R or like an NC seventeen rating. I totally agree with him, but he ended up saying that it was okay in a way because it was rated PG. It got shown on TV in the afternoons. So lots of people saw it on television because it was oh. allowed to be shown on television because it was a PG. But imagine being a kid oh, weird. and it's like 5 p.m. You know, you're watching TV and a movie comes on, it's called Tourist Trap and like, this is what you see. That's- I'd be horrified. <laughs> Literally. So weird. So weird. All right. What's your number seven? Right, coming in at number seven. I know he's trying to kill you. He wears a dirty brown hat. He's horribly burned. He has razors on his right hand. A Nightmare on Elm Street, Dream Warriors. Oh, yeah. In brackets, Freddy's just around the corner (laughs) is the tagline given to me for this one. Amazing. (laughs) Okay, so 1987, directed by Chuck Russell, third installment in the Elm Street franchise. So only three years after the first one came out, which is pretty crazy. Like they were yeah. just, they were whacking them out <laughs> Apparently, at this point. Goodness gracious. So this may contain a small spoiler for the first movie. If you guys don't want spoilers for a movie that came out in 1984, <laughs> just be cautious, I guess. <laughs> just be cautious. Okay, so Nancy, which who survived the first movie, is now an intern psychiatrist at Western Hills Hospital and is introduced to a host of teenagers all in the psych- psychiatric ward for a myriad of different mental health issues and a shared fear of falling asleep. Nancy convinces the kids to have a shared dream with her so they can all discover their dream powers that can help them defeat Freddy Krueger once and for all. And as you might expect, chaos ensues. (laughs) What a fucking concept for a film. (laughs) Oh, I love it. I love it. Absolutely deserves a place on your top 10. Like, Oh, I love it so much. So why it's number seven for me? It's just fucking fun. It's just the campus thing ever. There's a kid whose like dream power is that he's like a wizard mm-hmm. and he has this cool cape and there's another girl whose power is just like that she's a goth. <laughs> yeah, she, and it's she's, fucking sick. She's just badass now. She's like, she's I want to be badass. beautiful and bad or whatever. <laughs> yeah, she's so cool. So good. It's super schlocky. It's super silly. Um, but it still kind of has that 80s like pizzazz that the yes. first one has. Doesn't the main girl, the protagonist, doesn't isn't her thing that she wants, like her skill or whatever, just to do like backflips? 
Like, doesn't she just do yeah, like a... Yeah, there's someone who just does a lot of backflips. I don't remember if it's her, though. Someone's doing a lot of backflips. It's so funny. It's a real ridiculous. range of skills Of skills assigned like, yeah, to these children. One kid is, like, as I say, a wizard, so he's, like, all-powerful. Then there's one kid who just, like, is doing backflips. I'm like, how are these going to actually help defeat Freddy? Right? I'm not sure. <laughs> So yeah, it's great. I mean, Robert England is on top form as Freddy in this one, um, and his kills just get more and more insane. For example, the Freddy Krueger snake, um, oh, which I read they snake. decided looked too phallic because it's kind of pink, <laughs> and so they had to cover it in green slime so it didn't look like a big Freddy Krueger penis. <laughs> so that's good. Oh, God. <laughs> practical effects are amazing and so, so fun and creative and just great i want to find out what my dream power would be what do you think yours would be just out of interest um mine i think i'd be super speedy i don't know why but i'm just convinced that i would be able to just run really fast that would be good i think my ability would be um maybe like shape-shifting i think that would be fun i would like to be able to shape-shift i'm just being realistic on what i think mine would be if it was like sort of assigned to me i don't <laughs> think they'd give me shape-shifting i think they you don't think they I don't think they would trust me the powers that be <laughs> with the ability to shape-shift or be invisible or anything like that i think they'd be like you're allowed to be really <laughs> fast to go fast and not even that and fast that's it. like i it wouldn't be like i was running and you wouldn't be able to see me i would just be sort you're of just like, like running quite fast yeah i'd be like as fast as usain bolt but like still yeah. like human speeds <laughs> Yeah, well, that might be a problem because Freddy Krueger can kind of do whatever he wants. Yeah, I don't think that I would survive Freddy Krueger. And they don't. And they don't in this film is the thing. I so. like to sleep way too much. I'd be like, go on then. Yeah. Kill me, I I'm guess. Like, Fuck it. Just whatever. <laughs> on that subject, my favourite kill of the film, although hard to choose, my favourite kill is Tendon Puppet. Yeah. Because it's fucking fantastic and disgusting. However, there's lots of good ones, as YouTube commenter Whitney astutely observes, cool stuff of lots. <laughs> <laughs> Which was on... Yeah. Which was the only comment on, like, a debt a kill count video for this film. <laughs> Thank you, Whitney. Cool stuff of lots. And then my piece of trivia, which is very nice and almost made me cry last night, was that Jennifer Rubin, who plays the goth punk girl in question, um, was told by some of her fans that her character of Taryn had caused them to quit drugs and that the actress is very proud of that fact. That's really sweet. Isn't it? Because, yeah, that's, that's her... That's her character is that she's in the psychiatric ward because she was addicted to heroin, I think? Yes, yeah. That is yeah, the reason. But- isn't that nice? That is very nice. People said that she helped them quit. So there you go. That's a nice thing to come out of that film. Yeah. Hopefully. Right. Excellent. All right. My number six film is... Beyond Shock. What was that? Beyond Horror into Total Terror. <laughs> Murder runs wild. Blood runs cold. Deep Red. Deep Red from 1975. Oh, so I was off Mm -hmm. with my prediction. It might be your number one. Interesting. Flesh ripped clean to the bone and the blood runs red. Uh, This was actually originally number five 
I ended up swapping it with my current number five. You'll see why. Okay. Well, I'm interested. But I do love it. So Deep Red is an Italian giallo film. And for those who don't know, giallo films are basically mystery thrillers slash horrors. And they were named for the popular yellow covered crime slash mystery paperbacks that were popular in Italy at the time. And uh, yellow in Italian is giallo. So... Oh, I didn't know that. And Deep Red was directed by Dario Argento, who is one of my all-time favorite directors. And it was co-written by Argento and Bernardino Zapponi. The plot is centered around a jazz musician named Marcus, who is tracking a serial killer with the help of a reporter named Gianna after spotting said killer murder a psychic medium in her apartment. Sort of a cat and mouse mystery meets slasher. And it's maybe more of a proto slasher, but I'm including it and I, <laughs> I'm i allowed to do that. I think that's fair. Yes. And it is certainly anything but predictable or cliche. Now, why it's number six? Some might argue that this isn't a slasher film, uh, that it's just a giallo, but I say why not both? I think that sometimes there's a huge amount of crossover between the two and I don't necessarily think that they should be isolated or kept separate. I think that there Agreed. is- plenty of jellos that are slashes and there's plenty that aren't as well but this one to me is it is indeed it certainly fits most if not all of my like slasher rules you know single human killer bladed weapon a range of creative kills a hidden killer at least three deaths uh you know if you want to say it's a proto slasher instead that's fine but i couldn't not include it as amongst all jello films and all proto slashers This one, to me, is the best of the best. And sorry to Suspiria fans, I believe it to be Argento's masterpiece. Oh, very interesting. But not only that, the soundtrack from Goblin absolutely goblin, they're my favorite absolutely kills me goblin. this was their first collaboration with argento and then they went on to like score all of his films yeah and <laughs> it's so good the score is the score fucking it's insane. incredible it's absolutely i can't insane. imagine it without that score no and i've gotta say one of the reasons it's like absolutely one of my favorite films of all time it's the puppet scene. Ah, when we watched that, I was I rewatched it yesterday. I was so taken aback. It's shocking, and I actually don't even want to give too much away in case in case you're listening <laughs> and you haven't seen Deep Red. But please, for the love of God, watch it. Watch it. It's a fucking masterpiece. It's so good. That puppet scene. I genuinely don't think any movie has shocked me as bad just, as that puppet scene did. Just, me and you were just like, I just didn't hang know what on. was happening. It's the silence. The music the silence stopping. that precedes it. <laughs> I, oh, is my God. horrible little, like, puppet, <laughs> puppet stomps across the floor. Oh, my God. It's so good. You guys, you gotta watch it if you've not seen it. It's my favourite, favourite thing. I love it so much. And I love the movie. I think that it's it's beautiful. It's stylish. It has an amazing ending. has great kills. I just think it's, I just think it's great. It's my favourite Jalo film. And that's saying something because I really, really love Jalos. 
I could yes, I could easily you know give you like a top ten of Jalos. I could go on about them forever. And there's ones that I like probably almost equally to Deep Red, but Deep Red's just my current favorite. Well, also it's the one that's most easily defined as a slasher within the. I would say so. I think um, other yeah. than maybe some of uh, Bay of Blood, some of maybe Mario Bava stuff is probably yeah uh, definitely slasher adjacent, but. Yeah, I, I definitely think uh, Deep Red was, was the best choice to go on my my slasher list, for sure. Yes. And my favorite kill, it was really hard to choose, but it's probably the elevator necklace decapitation. It is a good one. It is very good. Agreed. Yeah. It's a fun one. Just disgusting as well. <laughs> yeah. Just absolutely rancid. <laughs> uh, fun fact co-writer Bernardino Zapponi said the inspiration behind the murder scenes came from him and Dario Argento thinking of painful injuries that the audience could relate to. So like everyone knows what, not everyone knows how it feels to be like shot by a gun, but everyone at some point has like accidentally struck yeah, furniture. hand yeah, or something. Yeah, gotten scalded by hot water. So you can kind of imagine. Accidentally bashed your teeth. Yeah, imagine how that kill would feel so it's supposed to make you feel more i guess scared basically or more more relatable it's very effective it is because i do find this movie pretty creepy like it's it's tense it's yeah it's tense it's nasty i agree all right what's your number six number six So, again, I don't need to go too much into this because Fox very kindly already covered it for me. But um, you guys know it. It's a classic. It's, you know. (laughs) A classic. It's fine. A classic. I won't go over the summary again, but the reason it's number six for me, it's iconic. Score absolutely slaps. And it's Donald Pleasance that fucking chews it up in the most British way possible. And he's fantastic. (laughs) I think it's scary and tense because of the way Michael stalks around. Like, he just walks. And I think that's what's so creepy about him. Like, I'd like when a slasher runs as well. But the way he just, like, he is so determined to never run. You never see Michael run anywhere. But he's gonna get you. But he will get you. It's just (laughs) unrelenting. He just takes his time about it. And that's what's scary yeah and i think i first time i ever watched it i didn't like it all that much and then i re-watched it and stuff kind of came back to haunt me and was i was like shocked by it like when this kind of a i don't know there's a there's a bit where michael has eaten a dog and yes. that really shocked me upon second watch you know what i was like Fucking, i actually what? forgot about that until you've just now said it and yeah. It's haunting me because there's something just about him just 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 ripping yeah, just it, a dog. Just ripping into a raw dog with his teeth. Like I know we yeah, don't, like, we don't he see seems... that, but no. he seems very cool and collected and kind of calm, but then you know that like what that he's eaten a dog. Like you're not getting to see that, but at some point he's just going to absolutely just like feral. 
yeah and that's what's scary is that he he's been living in this spooky old house that's like empty and eating dogs and shit but you just never see any of that the only times you ever see him is when he's calculated and cool and plotting but there's points where obviously he's just going off the fucking rails and that's terrifying to me yeah he's going mental up in that house like pacing around and stuff that's creepy actually (laughs) he is creepy but so my favorite kill uh, same as foxes is knife clean through the chest pinning someone to the door yeah shocked me when i first saw it still does and my piece of trivia is that talking about what we were just talking about john carpenter's intent with uh michael was that the audience should never ever be able to relate to him so he's supposed to be unpredictable and almost inhuman in the way that he acts that's why you never see him speak yeah yeah okay okay well there you go number five Look out! Look out! Look out! Take care. You are being watched. We repeat, take care, for you are now alone with a killer. Look out for Carl Byrne as the peeping Tom. Fear him, but pity him also. Is Peeping Tom from 1960. Mm. Stark terror meets art in a deadly game of cat and mouse. So, Peeping Tom is a British horror thriller film often regarded as one of the earliest slasher movies. It revolves around a serial killer and voyeur who records his kills on a film camera so that he can watch back their dying expressions. It was directed by Michael Powell and written by Leo Marx and unfortunately completely ruined Powell's career due to the subject matter (laughs) and harsh reception by critics. Oh no. Upon modern reevaluation, it is regarded as a classic and a masterpiece, and it is even in the British Film Institute's top 100 British films of all time. Wow. So that sucks for him, because, like, yeah, they totally blackballed him from the film yeah, but industry. Then it gets reappraised years as later. As a masterpiece. So yeah, everyone's like, oh yeah, it's one Fuck of the best sick. films I've ever seen. Martin Scorsese says it's one of his all time favorite films. God damn it. Yeah. Um, Poor guy. (laughs) It sucks. Okay, so why it's number five. To me, this is the first slasher. Um, People can argue that till they're blue in the face, and that's fine because I don't think anyone's right or wrong. I don't think that there's a definitive answer to what is the first slasher question, but to me, this is the first one. Like, if I was to put my, my two cents into the argument or the debate, this is the first one to me. Proto slasher or not, it's still the first one that I think could be defined as a slasher that I've seen anyway. Yeah. Uh, Debatably also Psycho, which came out the same year, but I honestly not only prefer Peeping Tom, but I also think it's more of a slasher than Psycho is. Oh. I've not seen Psycho or Peeping Tom, so I have no input to put here. Okay. (laughs) I mean, I love Psycho. Don't get me wrong. It's not on this list, but I do love it. And I think it's great. It's just like not really a slasher to me in the same way. Okay, interesting. Um, I don't really I don't really see it as a slasher. I don't know why. I just I just don't. I could I probably do know why and I could get into it, but I'm not going to because this is about Peeping Tom, which is often incredibly was underrated in my opinion and overshadowed by Psycho. So I, I'll give that no more, <laughs> no more time. But um, it's beautiful it's really subtle it's genuinely quite moving it's interesting because you sort of 
empathize with the killer he is an empathetic killer not that we should be empathizing with killers but it's it's a really fascinating look into this man's like psyche and where yeah well i think you should be able to in a film yes that's what art is for is doing weird shit to your brain yeah and why he becomes a voyeur and you know what creates perversions and all that kind of stuff is really interesting and was kind of ahead of its time as far as like you know psychologically analyzing characters and stuff really interesting so it's like what made him into a voyeur and then what made him take the next steps into being a killer and yeah it's it's great it's wonderful and it's so sad that it ruined the director's career like yeah it's because i think that it's just fantastic i mean it does break my mask's hidden killer rule but it doesn't detract. That's okay. In this in this circumstance, I mean, again, it's from 1960. The word slasher, like, well, the word slasher existed, but the, the subgenre didn't really yet. No, not yet. So it's sort of a different creature, really, to everything else that's on my list, but it's so important, and I just love it. It's, it's an excellent, excellent just film. It's not really, like, scary or anything like that, but it's definitely worth a watch. Well, I'll have to fucking do it then. It's also the first British movie to feature female nudity. Oh. But it's actually interesting. I I mean, he is a killer of women, but the way the film portrays women, and specifically sex workers, is very positive. Oh, and interesting. Like, women from the director's gaze, at least, are portrayed very positively and empowered and sexually liberated and all this kind of stuff and he's definitely the weirdo but he's also sympathetic too like the the victims are sympathetic he's sympathetic i just think it's really yeah i could go on all day about peeping tom (laughs) but i i do love it i think that it's great needs to get on my list and my favorite kill is the suitcase kill or the final death no spoilers, just watch it. <laughs> and uh, yeah, little fact for you. The critical mauling, that is how this this fact was described when I looked it up. <laughs> yes. The critical mauling of this film uh, resulted in it being pulled from British cinemas after just five days. Oh, God. Yeah. Okay. What is your okay. number five? Number five Murder runs wild. Blood runs cold. Deep red. Deep red. Oh, here we go. So we are the we are going Suspiria. in similar yeah. directions. Very similar directions. <laughs> the maker of Suspiria now takes you on a journey through the macabre, the bizarre the unnatural. So I used Ooh. a different tagline <laughs> to you. Reason it's number five. It's just so stylish. It's jazzy. That's the only way I can describe it. (laughs) It's just cool. The strange, like, dubbing, which is prevalent in a lot of Jalo films, makes everything feel kind of off-kilter. Yeah. But it works so well. I'm actually attached to the Italian dubbing now. Yeah, me too. I love it. I'll sometimes watch a Jalo movie and it won't have the italian dubbing in it it'll just be like in english or whatever which is what actually a lot of them were recorded in yeah and i i like miss the i miss the dubbing (laughs) 
I miss the dubbing. It is funny. It makes everything feel slightly like surreal, which works for this because this film is weirdly quite surreal, despite it it's almost bizarre, feeling a bit like a actually. procedural as <laughs> yeah. well. Shit gets real weird. It's a whodunit. It's wonderful in that respect. You, I like. I it really took me aback when we figured it out. Is it David Hemmings who plays the main character? I think so. Marcus. Yeah, yeah. he's great. He's, he's really great good. in it. I don't know. I mean, I, what can I say that hasn't already been said about it? The seventies death jazz, as I'm calling it, is so good. Goblin. <laughs> Are you kidding me? It works so well. The costuming, the shot framing is so beautiful. Just so Italian and so cool. Ah, <laughs> oh, amazing. I, there's not much more I can say because you were, we already talked about it, but yeah. it's just fantastic. It really um, is. And it definitely, it's my favorite Jolo easily. You've seen more than I have, but it's it's this is my favorite. Yeah, it's great. I'm actually kind of glad that Argento fell out with the composer he worked on for like... Um, yes, the animal trilogy for like four flies on grey velvet and bird with the crystal plumage, crystal plumage. in a different uh, guy doing the doing the score, and they fell out after four flies, and so then he worked <laughs> with Goblin. I'm kind of like, thank God, because fuck yeah, thank Christ, because Goblin are fantastic. I'm gonna get into their discography. Deep Red would not be the same without the Goblin soundtrack although i did also really like the score from his earlier films too but yeah they're just quite different very different extremely different like the older scores are like more just like complimentary and yeah the goblin score is like no 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 this is the centerpiece to this film yeah it's almost (laughs) kind of jarring but it works so well it's almost too much yeah but (laughs) at the same time perfect right so my favorite kill is again i won't go too much into it but the tallow doll and subsequent teeth bashing (laughs) because that's fucking brutal it really (laughs) or you feel it in your teeth you know when you've accidentally like i know now my teeth hurt it's the worst (laughs) the worst it's really convincing then my piece of trivia which just tells you how stylish and beautiful this film is is that one scene david hemmings walks past the blue bar at night and the bar is styled after the famous painting night hawks by edward hopper and i actually did catch that you did when we were watching it i was like that looks like night hawks and it just was beautiful i thought it was just coincidentally like i thought it just coincidentally looked like that but no it was it was intentional which i love yeah i love that love that love it Okay, so, number four. I know he's trying to kill you. Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors. (laughs) (laughs) Yes! Oh my god, I didn't know it was going to make it so far up your list. If you think you're ready for Freddy, think again. (laughs) (laughs) fuck yes it's so good it's so good i mean like is there any movie that is more fun than dream warriors probably but i don't know (laughs) i don't know what it is i don't know them no (laughs) it has the best kills of the entire series and probably some of the best characters and Nancy really just like cements herself as my favorite final girl of all time. Oh, I did not know that about you. Yeah. That, that she's your favorite final girl. She is indeed. Oh. Nancy's my favorite. 
Interesting. Although, I did not know that. This changes on occasion. Like sometimes I'll go through a phase yeah, with somebody it else. Changes up. But Nancy's probably my most consistent favorite final girl. So oh, I do love her. Uh, my favorite kill is also the marionette puppet kill thing. Yes, with the ten- very good. The tendons. But I also really like the TV kill that <laughs> it's primetime, bitch. Welcome to primetime, bitch. Oh, welcome bitch. to primetime, bitch. Yeah, that's great. Oh, so good. That one is amazing with his big like robot arms. I think all of the kills are really good in that one, though. So they are. It's, they are it's really hard. good. They're nasty. And it's also my favorite Nightmare on Elm Street film. Ah, there you go. I prefer it to the first one. Okay, very, very interesting. I think that's fair enough. And a fun fact, this one is fun. So a Freddy glove was missing slash stolen from the set of this film only to appear in Evil Dead 2, directed by Sam <laughs> Raimi, in The Shed. Oh my god. So Sam Raimi stole it. Stole it. <laughs> Somehow stole it. Little bastard. I'm imagining him going like in disguise to the... <laughs> to this set and stealing it for Evil Dead 2. <laughs> Fuck's sake. But it was part of this sort of ongoing joking feud between Sam Raimi and Wes Craven in which they make fun of and or reference each other in many of their films, such as The, yeah. the Hills of Eyes, The Evil Dead, A Nightmare on Elm Street, and Scream. Yes. They, they reference each other like... Um, Evil Dead comes on in Scream and they turn the movie off and the Freddy Glove <laughs> in the shed in Evil Stolen. Dead 2 and like the ripped up um, Hills Have Eyes poster and just there's just like lots of stuff like little banterous back and forth and they like to pretend that they like hated each other but <laughs> that's so funny I never noticed that before I love it and when you rewatch them you'll notice like once someone's pointed it out to you you'll be like wait was that an Evil Dead reference and like yes it is probably if it's in that's a so funny if it's I in a Wes that. Craven movie it's probably is an Evil Dead reference or whatever <laughs> <laughs> amazing all right so what's your number four Number four. This is the movie that is just as real. Just as close. Just as terrifying as being there. Even if one of them survives, what will be left? The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. After you stop screaming, you'll start talking about it. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Uh, Who yeah. will survive and what will be left of them. So, you guys know it, but it's 1974. It's directed <laughs> by Toby Hooper and it's co-written by Kim Henkel. Yes. Wonderful. Great. Two siblings and their group of pals go to investigate the disgusting vandalism of their grandfather's grave. <laughs> Because when they're like, it's, it's been grave robbed. It's not really. I like expect it's not. They've done a horrible, horrible thing to that man's grave. They've like taken the corpses out and like and propped put them, them up. In a little pose. It's really awful. I'm like that's more than just a grave robbing man. They really fucked it that's up. That's a desecration. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They desecrated their grave. Yeah. But on their way, they pick up a dangerous and deranged hitchhiker who they then kick out. It's a bit of a mess. They get to a gas station that has no gas. And so then they go to their the siblings' old family home that's nearby, intending to come back when the gas pumps are full again. The kids go off to fucking swim in a local swimming hole, whatever that is. <laughs> Two of them don't come back. 
Leatherface has been causing some havoc and then so for the rest of the film we're basically following Sally which is one of the siblings as she basically tries not to get hacked up by Leatherface a lot of other stuff happens yeah that's a very simple um, (laughs) summary because there's a lot of weird shit that goes on reason it's number four simply it's fucked up it puts you in such a weird headspace like it's super psychedelic it's beautifully shot like the cinematography is so stunning but it's also disgusting and scary and surprising and kind of funny all in one fell swoop um leatherface particularly in this one is really terrifying I but like not in a sort of scary yeah yeah not in a silently inhuman way like Jason or like Michael. No. Um, and not charismatic and kind of funny and like lighthearted as Freddy. Yeah. But just like huge and massive and unhinged. Yeah, the squealing, like the little pig squealing yeah, that he the makes. Pig squealing. That upsets uh, me. <laughs> you just get the impression that he'll just plow through anything that's in his path. Yeah. He just loves his chainsaw. <laughs> He loves his different masks. That's all he wants to do is just destroy shit. And that's why he's so scary. Like, he's unstoppable, impossible to reason with. Yeah. He's just big. Yep. Um, And the reason the film feels so scary as well is because it feels like Sally has no way of escaping. She, like, does get out sometimes. Yeah. And she just gets dragged right back into it. And it's so tragic. (laughs) Yeah. The only reason it's not higher is because Franklin is annoying. (laughs) Valid. (laughs) He's really fucking whiny and annoying. I think that they're all kind of annoying, except for the final girl. Yes, Sally. She's the only one. The rest of them are annoying, but Franklin particularly, her brother, is the worst. He stands out as being... Fucking annoying. Very frustrating. I kind of feel bad for him, but like... Yeah, he's, but he is annoying. He is undeniably still annoying, <laughs> despite Apparently, that. someone who was on the cast said that he, him and the guy who played Franklin fell out. I think it was Gunnar who plays Leatherface in this one. Yeah. Said that him, the guy that plays Franklin, fell out and he hated him for ages until he realised that the guy who was playing Franklin was going method and just stayed in character as Franklin. <laughs> and so everyone hated him. Oh my god. Because he was just staying in character as the most annoying annoying piece of garbage <laughs> ever. They had some no shit everyone fell out with him. <laughs> oh my god. Uh... Uh, but yeah, it's a masterpiece. It's just great. Yeah. It's really horrible. It's really disturbing, but it's just great. And my favourite kill is what I've written down here is Pig Squeal Hammer Hit. <laughs> which is the first kill in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> so... Um, and another tiny piece of trivia is that Guillermo del Toro became a vegetarian after seeing this film. <laughs> I think lots of people did. I've heard that, I like... lots of people did. It was definitely metaphorical for, like, slaughterhouses and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I think Toby Hooper said something about that, because I'm pretty sure he's vegetarian, too. Yeah, or he it was at the something time, about... maybe. I can't remember. Yeah. I do remember reading an interview about that, like, years ago. Yeah, me too. But yeah, I mean, there's a reason that, you know, Leatherface's family works in, like, an abattoir and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they're basically just treating the people that they capture exactly the same as they treat... The pigs. Like, pigs or whatever. That's why it's so upsetting. That's why it's it's a big metaphor. Yeah. So, but it's great. 
absolute masterpiece. Love it. I actually do love the second one as well. Yes. Um, they're just very different. And the second one's not a slasher, so it doesn't even make no. near to being on my list because it's not a slasher, but it is very fun. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, number three. Even if one of them survives, what will be left? The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, beans. I thought our lists were gonna be so different, and then it, I forget that we basically share a brain, <laughs> and they're just like pretty much oh, identical. <laughs> They're just the same, just in a slight, like, not even that different in order. Like, pretty much the same order, bar, like, one space. (laughs) Ah, for fuck's sake. Very funny. Who will survive and what will be left of them? So That's such a good tagline. It's my favourite. It's my favourite tagline. It's a really good tagline. And I, so, I find this movie very scary eerie and uncomfortable it is is psychedelic nightmare fuel it is nihilistic and mean-spirited it's dirty cruel oppressive and i (laughs) love it and i lap that shit up i love it the the iconic camera sounds and leatherface's squealing way heavy on my mind those camera noises at the beginning i i just so good yes that sound haunting haunts me and i also love the little narrator voice at the beginning yes apparently he got paid in a joint for doing that yeah (laughs) so good so 70s um (laughs) you're not paying you man to take a split and (laughs) get the fuck out of here (laughs) so funny but it's so it sets the tone really well at the start of that movie and yeah as you said it's sort of you know politically important or socially important it's metaphorical for how we treat animals but i think it said a lot about sort of the political climate of the early 70s and even if you don't really care about all of that it has enough like violence and fast pacing to just like keep you on the edge of your seat absolutely and my favorite kill is also the first kill the sledgehammer kill where leatherface just comes out of nowhere and just smacks you <laughs> so good. And then just drags the body just behind that like hidden door Metal and just disappears. Door. So then when the rest of them come through, they're like, hey, where where'd he go? <laughs> where the fuck did he go? <laughs> I just like he just emerges and just disappears. Like that's it's so Oh, it's so nasty, <laughs> it's man. Really frightening. It's fucked up. And my Leatherface is so interesting too. Because he so has because in that film he has the three different masks. I don't know if you were gonna talk about that. Oh yeah, I love the mask but... with the makeup on. That's my favourite yeah. killer mask, actually, in any movie. Because he has three. He has his normal one, which is for like killing. Yeah. Then he's got his his fancy dinner mask that also includes like a wig yes. and makeup, and he wears a suit whilst wearing it. Yeah. Then he has another one that he wears when he's in the kitchen, where he's also wearing like an apron and a little dress. I fascinated. So he has like a domestic one. As I well. actually kind of just like genuinely love Leatherface. <laughs> Oh yeah, like I love him. He he do be evil, but <laughs> he's sort of baby. Is that de- kind of his baby? Is though. that demented? Of Especially me? in the second one. Especially in the second one. <laughs> yeah, in I the agree. remake, he's, so- he's horrible. When he's Thomas, oh, I hate him in the remake. When he's Thomas Hewitt instead of Bubba Sawyer, because there's two different sort of 
there's a whole thing we gotta get into. There's so many. He's Bubba Sawyer so in the first two, and then he becomes yeah. Thomas Hewitt in like the remake. Yeah, Thomas Hewitt's mean and like genuinely yeah. violent and He's aggressive. Just nasty. Bubba Sawyer's sort of like misguided by his horrendous family. Yeah, you get the impression that he just is being led. Yeah. to perform violent acts by his family rather than actually necessarily enjoying yeah killing people all right so oh um my fun fact yes the soundtrack contains no sounds from musical instruments with the exception of some actual like copyrighted songs that they had the rights to instead they used sounds that an animal would hear inside a slaughterhouse Oh, uh, see, so yeah, that all adds up to me. Yeah. That's fucking terrific. <laughs> this is so scary. Toby Hooper, what the fuck? Toby I mean, Hooper. to be fair, when I was vegan, I did watch a lot of those kind of slaughterhouse documentaries. Like, I watched um, Forks Over Knives and, like, Earthlings and all that stuff. Oh, God. And this film, this Texas Chainsaw, is not far from those no. at all. It's equally as upsetting. It's just more metaphorical. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, very interesting. Love that movie. I'm glad it's what made both of our top fives. Yeah. All right. What's your number three? My number three is... Remember those idyllic scenes out of your childhood? Remember them well. After Black Christmas, they'll never be the same again. If this movie doesn't make your skin crawl, it's on too tight. Black Christmas. Ah. If this movie doesn't make your skin crawl, it's on too tight. Which is hilarious, because what the fuck does that mean? Such a Um, funny tagline. (laughs) So... So, 1974, so same year as Texas Chainsaw. Very different, though. Um, Directed by Bob Clark and written by A. Roy Moore. Um, Kind of a spin on, you know, your babysitter urban legend. Kind of like the man in the attic kind of a moment. The film follows a sorority house who are receiving spooky phone calls after a murder has taken place in their small town. It has been reappraised as one of the very first slashes and is said to have influenced the genre as a whole. So, you know, we were talking about with Peeping Tom how you think that's probably the first slasher. Yeah. I wouldn't know because I've not seen Peeping Tom, but I do think that Black Christmas is definitely one of the first ones to be a slasher as we know it. Yes, I Sort of I like do following agree. a group of teenagers around the, and stuff. The first it's... one that put all the pieces of proto-slashers together to make the first yeah. true slasher, I guess. Yeah. Is what I, I would say. So. The reason I think it's in my top three is the characters are amazing. Phyllis, my beloved. Um, you, yes. just, you just want them to survive so badly. I They're know. just so sweet. And you're just, it's just heart wrenching every time something bad happens to them. Truly, um, truly. Like, it's one that I love all of the characters. I do. I absolutely love them. You just really want them to get home for Christmas. Because, oh, when oh, one of their dads turns up and he's like, where's my daughter? She's fucking died. (laughs) It's awful. Um, Yeah, so kills are creative and gross and nasty. Um, The whole thing has a really horrible, like, tense, oppressive feeling to it. 
the phone dialogue, the phone calls that Jess, our main character, is getting are horrible and so creepy. And it's a bit like with Leatherface where there's a lot of kind of like pig squealing noises, which always put me on edge. Yes. Oh, the yeah. the phone call in it. Uh, they're the worst, I, scariest part. I can't think of anything that's like literally more viscerally upsetting to me in a horror movie. It's than, horrible. Especially that first phone call they get the stuff that he says on that phone call is oh it's horrific (laughs) like how 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 did they even how dare you how how did they even get away with that oh it's so nasty but it's so good and it's again it's a whodunit because you know there's some fucking dude in the attic and you know there's someone who's making phone calls but you don't know who either of these people are you don't even know if they're the same person you don't know who's killed the 13-year-old girl in the park. Oh, There's God. just a lot of bad stuff that's happened. And you don't know what the hell is going on. And you don't know who to trust, especially any of the male characters. The men are not to be trusted. <laughs> the only man that you can trust is the police officer. Yeah, Who is lovely. Played by John um, Saxton. Or Saxon? Yes, it is. You're right. Is it Saxton Sax- or is it Saxon? I can't remember. You know, he actually pretty much all just through the 70s aside from you know black christmas and the odd other couple pretty much only mm. acted in jellos oh there you go that makes sense i haven't seen him crop up a lot and i'm always seeing him all the time i'm always pleased to see him yes love him but yeah so that's great there's a lot of tension where the police are trying to track the trace of phone calls and then jess is hanging up because she's too scared to stay on the phone and it's really frustrating because it's the fucking 70s and their method of tracing phone calls was absolutely deranged (laughs) you don't know what the killer's motives are you kind of never know it's just fucked up my favorite kill the glass unicorn good choice excellent choice it's nasty it's mean Um, And then my piece of trivia is that it was Elvis Presley's favourite horror movie and his tradition was to watch it every Christmas. (laughs) I love that. Why not? I love Love that that for Elvis. Love that fact. So good. Yeah. Excellent choice. You know how I feel about Black Christmas. (laughs) I love it. All right. Number two. Someone is playing a deadly game. It all began with a scream over 911. Someone who's seen one too many scary movies. Now, he's taken his love of fear. Hello? Hello, Sydney. One step too far. Scream from 1996. <laughs> oh, yeah. Don't answer the door. Don't leave the house. Don't answer the phone. But most of all, don't scream. So... Scream is an American meta slasher directed by Wes Craven and written by Kevin Williamson. It revolves around the protagonist, Sydney Prescott, and her high school friends as they and their classmates get bumped off one by one by the masked killer, Ghostface. So why is it number two? Well, not only do I have a tattoo of it, it also used to be my favorite film of all time. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i should have worn my scream t-shirt today actually yeah me too <laughs> i'm just Fuck. in a boring sweatshirt I sh- i've got so many I'm in my, horror t-shirts i'm in a Haley kyoko t-shirt <laughs> <laughs> that's very gay of you <laughs> um so it used to be my favorite film it's no longer my favorite because i have now since seen so many horror films that 
in general, it's been bumped down the list a bit. But as far as slashers go, it is a confident number two. Oh, yeah. And I still think it's great. It's probably still my top... I say top 20 favorite horror movies of all time. Maybe top 10. Oh, easily. I think it'd probably make my top 10 of all horror films. Like genre regardless. Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, why it's number two. I think it changed the horror genre forever and ushered in a new era of slashes and like satirical meta horror. It certainly birthed a lot of the 21st century slashes far more than anything that came before it. And like, absolutely, you know, from fellow 90s slashes, like I Know What You Did Last Summer to much newer slashes like Happy Death Day and Freaky, its influence is undeniable and can be seen in almost every modern teen-centric slasher today. And just, yeah, so like Friday the 13th and Halloween did in the late 70s and early 80s, this changed yeah. everything again and it flipped it on its head yes. and everyone wanted to be Scream because it was such a success. I, I'll i never get tired of watching it. It's incredibly well yeah, executed. It's, it's full of memorable like quotes and characters and kills. It's funny. I like that it's meta in general. Like I've, as time's gone on, I like meta horror less and less, but because this is like <laughs> the first, like one of the first big ones to do like the meta horror thing, I love it. And it still feels really strong and punchy and funny what are other meta horrors just quickly i'm trying to, i'm struggling to think of any i just think a lot of modern other than scary movie <laughs> i think a lot of modern horrors are super referential at least yeah even actually if- even like all of fear street yeah really quite referential to the genre exactly which is not like straight mm. up meta necessarily but they're definitely like no oh, I'm not going to be like so-and-so in Halloween or whatever. <laughs> like, you know, just yeah, yeah, yeah. throwing this, in yeah, the references. Some kind of, Breaking yeah. some kind of wall. Yeah, maybe a th- the three and a half wall. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 3.5. <laughs> yeah, but because Scream was like one of the first to do it, it's aged like, really well. It still feels yeah. very new and fresh. Yeah, it feels very modern. Yeah, it does. And... I I just really love it. I really do. There's something about it that I just think is particularly great. And if I had to choose a second favorite final girl, it would be Sydney. I think that's reasonable. And I love all the sequels too. Like even you, Scream Yay. 3. But especially Scream even 4. Even you, Scream 3. <laughs> My ranking is Scream, Scream 4, Scream 2, Scream 3. But I do like them all. Yes. I'm excited for Scream 5. Me too. Scream 5's gonna be fucking fun. And it's by the people who did um, Ready or Not, so. <gasps> I didn't know that. Yes. Oh my god. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Ready or Not is not a slasher, but it kind of almost is. It's just the fact that there's not one killer, they're all just killing each other. Yeah. <laughs> but if it were, it would have made my list. I love Ready or Not Me so too. much. All right, and my favourite kill for Scream is the garage door is just always so memorable to me. It's classic. It really is nasty. And my fun fact is Bob Weinstein approached Robert Rodriguez, Danny Boyle, George A. Romero, and Sam Raimi to direct. And Kevin Williamson said that none of them got it. And he was concerned that after reading the script that many of the directors believed the film purely to be a comedy rather than still needing to be scary. Ironically enough, uh, Robert Rodriguez directed the footage for the fictional in-universe film Stab. So the movie within a movie is directed by Robert Rodriguez, which is funny. (laughs) But yeah, it wasn't until Wes Craven that the guy who wrote the screenplay felt like someone really got how 
it needed to be scary too. It wasn't just yeah. funny. Well, that's the whole reason that Nightmare on Elm Street is so good is because it's kind of funny and yeah. take, doesn't take itself too seriously, but it's still fucking scary. Yep. He's perfect for it. All right. What's your number two? <laughs> well, talking about Wes Craven, my number two is... No one knows where it came from or who it will visit next. Nancy? something wrong with you you're imagining things nightmare on elm street <laughs> whatever you do don't fall asleep nightmare on elm street mm. the original so tagline if nancy doesn't wake up screaming she won't wake up at all Ooh. um which is quite a good tagline actually yeah. so 1984 written and directed by wes craven and produced by robert shea the film follows surprise surprise a bunch of teenagers living on the eponymous elm street who are being haunted and stalked in their dreams by a burnt up killer with a big knife glove known as fred krueger however quickly they realize the lines between dream and reality are becoming thinner as things start to seep out into their waking moments (laughs) um the film was an instant hit and spurred on a huge franchise but still receives cult status why it's number two for me it's it's always gonna be one of my favorites it's so camp freddy's such a little bitch he's my favorite slasher villain easily yes i love leatherface but freddy's my favorite Yep, agreed i think that he's the most fun to watch and he's the most consistent too i think that's the problem with leatherface for me is that he becomes quite inconsistent depending on which director is doing him i mean i guess Um, it helps that it's always robert england up until the remake yeah up until the remake and that's why the remake isn't as good because it's not robert england straight up he's just the best freddy yep he just is he's so good like yeah he is there's no way around it sorry you just can't do it no no so he's my all-time favorite he is set apart from other iconic slash villains because although he's kind of terrifying you're also excited to see him on screen because he also is the comedic relief yes which is interesting he's doing both at once yeah he's got a lot weighing on him (laughs) yeah he's got a lot going on he's the hot he's what holds the whole thing up and he does a good job he's great uh he also wears a fedora with his name on which is just funny um (laughs) The practical effects, as usual, are absolutely amazing, and this obviously was the first one, so it set a precedent for the rest of them, but they're just amazing. Just disturbing and disgusting and incredible. So much cool shit happens. All of the sets, Freddy's weird dream realm looks so good. Yeah. Um, And the very end gets me every single time. No spoilers, but fucking hell. (laughs) It's so stupid and camp and so good. (laughs) Oh, I love it. Excellent choice. Yeah, I just, that's why it makes my top two. I love Dream Warriors probably almost as equally, but I do think that the first, the first one is actually better. I would. Maybe. I would actually say I agree with you, but. Yeah. I prefer Dream Warriors, if that makes sense. I think that's, that's reasonable. I think that's reasonable. Dream Warriors doesn't scare me, whereas the first one actually does scare me. Like, I really was uncomfortable when I first watched it. Yeah. And my favourite kill is Blood Fountain Explosion. (laughs) Oh, yeah. what the fuck? (laughs) What the fuck, man? How did they even do that? They had to build that whole room. And, like, have it upside down and just pour blood. Yeah. And then film it upside down. It's so cool. It's so effective. I love it. And then my piece of trivia. 
which just made me laugh because of the way it was written, is the knives on the glove were not fishing or steak knives, as many believe. I don't know who's believing that. But actually, tomato knives. What's a tomato knife? I don't know. <laughs> what's a fishing knife? I mean, I guess for gutting fish. But I what's guess. a tomato knife? Don't know. Don't know why there would be a knife that exists specifically for tomatoes, but... <laughs> I don't know, but that's what his glove is made out of. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Which is really funny. Also, the first one, I'm pretty sure, is the one where Freddy has really long arms. Yes, it is. In his dream realm, and that's fucking horrific. That's I one of the ones really long arms. where she's kind of seeing it in the waking world as she's walking through her like, backyard. Yes. And he's just oh, like I hate walking him. along. I hate his long arms. The long arms actually. Oh, and the makes phone. Me. Oh yeah, the phone with the tongue. When she picks up the phone with his tongue. Oh, it's so good. Okay, so good. All right. Okay. Are we ready? Number one. Are we ready? For yeah. The one you've all been waiting for. I'm so excited. I actually have no idea what yours is going to be. Oh, okay. Number one. Remember those idyllic scenes out of your childhood? Remember them well. After Black Christmas, they'll never be the same again. My top ten slashers of all time is Black Christmas 1974. Ah, there you go. I figured it might have to be there. And I'm gonna do a little different tagline. (laughs) Okay. Oh, please. It's beginning to look a lot like bloodshed. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Okay, so the reason it's number one. It defined the modern slasher. It took the pieces from Jallo films, crimmy films, mysteries, thrillers, proto-slashers, and it created what we know as the modern slasher today. It did it before Halloween, and it doesn't get half of the glory. It's even rumoured, and this is just a rumour, but an interesting one, that John Mm. Carpenter actually wanted to make a sequel of Black Christmas before he went on to make Halloween, which is probably why you can see so much of Black Christmas in Halloween. You do. You see a lot it's of it. It's revolving around a, a holiday, the POV shots, all of this. And yeah, it's just straight up one of my favourite horror movies of all time. The characters are it's great. fantastic. The killer is absolutely repulsive and genuinely terrifying. <laughs> the kills hate, are brutal. The dialogue is hilarious. Barb is sexy. I love all Barb of the girls. Barb is amazing. How did I forget about Barb? Barb? Barb is like my, she is actually my favorite horror movie character. I love her. I think Phyllis is my favorite from that film. Fair but enough. I do love Barb a lot. I like to pretend that Barb and Phyllis were romantically involved. <laughs> I'm sure they were. I'm sure they were, and I'm choosing to believe well, it. Well, Barb was supposed to be bisexual, which is why you see her reading Playboy at certain points. Oh, that's very true. Yeah, I remember reading about that. Yeah. Yeah, you've already said a lot about Black Christmas, so I, I won't linger wow. on it too long, but. I love it. I think it's great. I just, yeah, it's undeniably good. In order to make our Black Christmas episode (laughs) that we did, I watched that movie four times in a week. (laughs) Like truly just was like, let's hit it again. Let's Let's hit it again. Let's take it again. Let's go. I'm so excited for it to be Christmas again so I can get- So I can force everyone to watch it. I'm going to get cozied up, get my eggnog. I never drink eggnog, but you know- (laughs) 
get my chai. Can't even get eggnog outside of America. You just have to make it. Like it's just like yeah, custard and vodka or whatever. Fuck yeah. And I think that's a white Russian. What I've just described. No, maybe not. That's that's white Russian. <laughs> I don't know what vodka. is a white Russian. No, white Russian is just milk and vodka. <laughs> no, it's not. It's, it is. I swear to God. <laughs> white Russian. I can't just be milk and vodka. It's fucking rancid. <laughs> Okay, a white Russian has... Oh, it has a bit more to it than that. Oh, it's a vodka, coffee, liqueur, and cream. So it's like sweet. Mm. That does sound good. Or like Kahlua. You can yeah. have Kahlua and vodka. Well, that is coffee, liqueur anyways. But yeah, it's yeah. not just milk and vodka. <laughs> I don't, I don't think. know what I mean, I'm you thinking could of. And call it I think I'm thinking white of, Russian. I think I'm thinking of someone doing a joke like on a tv show like being like oh i'm drinking a white russian like and they're like that's not a white russian and they're like yes it is it's, <laughs> it's milk and milk vodka, and vodka. <laughs> that may yeah, that even sounds, that sounds about right that may not even be from a tv show that may be something that i have done while drunk, and i'm just <laughs> well <laughs> there's knows? always potential for that who knows <laughs> um so yeah we've said a lot about this movie it's great it's perfect i can't wait to cozy up and watch it christmas time it's my favorite christmas movie other than muppets christmas carol <laughs> i was gonna say at first of all how day i would do a back-to-back <laughs> then of you black christmas it. and muppets christmas carol and muppets christmas carol and i think yeah, that that's not fantastic. deranged at all of me i think that's totally normal um no i think that'd be great in fact i'd like to see a Muppets Black Christmas. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> no, <laughs> no, so it'd be good. <laughs> It'd be really good. Oh god, that that would give a whole other meaning to when the Black Christmas call, you know, and he's saying "piggy," what, what not? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I made Fuck that connection. No. Actually, no. I'm glad you did because that's me. hilarious, but also really disturbing. Um, I feel like a monster now. Great. My favorite kill then is uh the plastic bag suffocation because it's really disturbing. Yes, it is disturbing. It is horrible. And my, and it, that's why it's on the poster. My fun fact is the same as your fun fact, except I have further information about it. Oh please! So that it was Elvis Presley's favorite horror movie, and he watched it every Christmas. And that after his death, his family maintained their tradition of watching it every year on christmas however this could be unlikely as elvis died in the august of 1977 so less than three years after the film was released so if you did have a tradition of watching it every christmas he only did it <laughs> only twice three years. twice <laughs> twice so um, how much of a tradition, tradition is that let him have it. have it i i hope it's true Fuck. and i like to pretend i hope it's true pretend that it is um okay and you're number one Oh go. my god, I hate you for this. I hate you so much. This <laughs> is my number one. Now, he's taken his love of fear. Hello? Hello, Sydney. One step too far. Scream. <laughs> Fuck yeah. <laughs> I can't believe you guessed it. I mean, I yeah. can't believe it because I'm that predictable, but fucking hell. <laughs> Why is our top... 10 been almost the same i can't believe this like the whole point of this that we were supposed to have like, 
really yeah varied. we weren't gonna communicate yeah we didn't communicate at all we watched totally different movies separately in order to like prepare for this and everything and we've just gone for all of our like old favorites <sighs> as well like fuck's sake i've watched there was a couple differences yeah but like i in the last like couple of weeks to prepare for this episode i've watched like genuinely like 10 slasher movies and i didn't put any of them in my top 10 <laughs> <laughs> you're like no i've actually settled we've yeah. already done the best ones oh god all right uh, talk about yeah. scream then go on i will <laughs> You know, yeah, so you can probably see a trend here, really, um, where my favourite ones are... The, the, it all comes together in Scream, I feel like. Yeah. Everything I like about the other films that have been in this list all work together to make a weird meta-horror film in Scream, and that's why it's so good. Yep. And what's interesting about it, because uh, obviously I won't go too much into the summary, but what is interesting is that it immediately achieved cult status within the horror fan base. Like, it did well off the bat, yeah. and it achieved cult status, and had one of the highest female viewerships oh, of any slasher. Interesting. I wonder why that like, was. way higher. I think, you know, there's something to be said for the fact that it was one of the first slashers and horror movies in general to cast very, like, people who were already famous. Yes. Yeah. Because Wes Craven really had so a good reputation time. by this point because he'd made such yeah. successful horror movies already. Yeah. So that makes sense. It did have like a big cast, for sure. Yeah. They were all successful at the time. And Courtney yeah. Cox, like, especially, was extremely famous. Yeah, so she was huge at the time. And there's Drew Barrymore, who was really yeah, famous at the time. And Ski Ulrich and Neve Campbell. They were all big at the time. Yes. Yeah. And, I mean, and fucking, um, oh, where's his name gone from my head? Matthew Lillard. My favourite boy. Yeah, Matthew Lillard. He was big at the time, too, because Hackers, I think, had only come out, like, yeah. a year before. Oh, I love him. I love he him so much. gives me such gender envy. <laughs> I adore him. <laughs> and he's just such a sweet man. Like, nowadays, I follow him on Twitter. And he just, like, does Dungeons and Dragons stuff. I love and just, him. just, like, chills out. What a cool love guy. Love that for him. But, yeah, I mean... It's my number one. It's self-referential. It's funny and it shows its love to the genre. And it always feels kind of fairly upbeat because it's not too mean-spirited. Yeah. At the same time, they don't shy away from violence yes. and stuff either. I think that's why it's really rewatchable versus yeah. like Texas Chainsaw. Yeah, which is just mean. I can't. And, like, nasty. I can watch Texas Chainsaw about once a year. I could watch Scream. <laughs> well, I'm not really somebody who rewatches films very often to be honest you know that yeah. about me I, I i don't do the rewatching thing that often it takes me a couple of years to rewatch a film and only yeah. if i really loved it or if i like fell asleep yeah. the first time but scream i could watch several times a year quite happily oh yeah and i do yeah and i, do. I love it <laughs> i absolutely adore it i actually haven't watched it in 2021 i don't no, think i have i haven't watched it since 2018 so wow, i think i might need to remedy that i'm doing my um marathon before the fifth one comes out oh that's a good idea i haven't watched the second one for a really long time me neither so but i do remember liking it the only thing that makes me laugh about the second the second one respectively is um that the main one of the main characters name is cotton weary and i just <laughs> think that's fucking funny why is his name cotton weary i have no idea like, but that is what, funny like what it's just what, funny. Yeah, Sounds what like do a you character mean? in like Bagpuss. <laughs> yeah. Um, what's, what do you mean? 
but yeah, so performances are fantastic. It I've seen it so many times, but it just has to take the top spot. Plus, Sydney is best girl. She is my favourite. I would lay down my life for Sydney Prescott. <laughs> I'm obsessed with her. I love her so much. She's my favourite final girl. I do like Nancy a lot as well from yeah. um, Elm Street, but it's it's all about Sydney for me. Valid. Uh, my favourite kill is also the doggy door. Yeah. <laughs> fucked up gotta be and then my piece of trivia is that skeet ulrich was cast as billy loomis again shout out to halloween there's so many references (laughs) it was cast as billy loomis partly because of his resemblance to johnny depp who had a significant role in nightmare on elm street which is funny because i was thinking about that i was like man they do look similar as (laughs) fuck they do look alike wes craven has a type (laughs) wes craven has a type for his his leading boys his hunky boys his hunky boys (laughs) my hunky boys okay we did it our lists were way more similar than i was um anticipating similar perhaps but i've enjoyed this and i think i'd like to do another one another time but i might give us something that i think will lead us to not having similar lists at all oh what what are you thinking maybe like top 10 of the noughties oh yeah because that's so broad yeah the thing is i'm still scared we'd end up with same (laughs) answers Because we watch everything together. Okay, maybe top 10 found footage, because you know I don't really like found footage movies, so... <laughs> yeah, okay, that we could do that. We'll do that. There's more that I need to watch yeah, me from too. found footage, but we could do that, because I think it's quite compelling. Yeah. There's definitely good and bad ones, but there's you, a lot. There's a fucking lot of them. I think you like them more than I do. I like some, but I'm really picky. So I think that, w- that yeah. would be really interesting, That I would think. work. I think that could work. Uh, let, okay. let us know if you enjoyed this and we'll do that. <laughs> yeah, we'll do another one. And okay, let's do some honourable mentions. So would you like to give me your honourable mentions first? Yeah, absolutely. I'll just reel them off. So number one, my honourable mentions are Tourist Trap. Yeah. So that was in your list. I fucking love it. It's great. It just didn't quite make my top 10. Fair enough. It was very close. Yeah, so 1979 directed by David Schmoller. Um, And then my second is my bloody valentine both the 1981 and the 2009 versions respectively because they're both great they're kind of too different for me to i don't know they're both quite different from each other but i do love both of them Mm -hmm. and they would almost make my they almost made my list number three is kind of a uh maybe kind of a left field choice and that is the ranger from 2018 directed by jen wexler interesting choice but that's that was such a funny movie because i hated it at first and then it really grew on me and i liked it by the end it was a weird one there's stuff i don't like about it but there's a lot of stuff that i do really think was cool like the it's just it was just mean it was (laughs) so mean spirited It's just cruel. There's a lot of the plot, like sort of overarching plot shit that I kind of thought was stupid, but the kills were really nasty and really took me aback. Like there's one bit where they're all just standing around and one of them just gets like sniped in the head. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and you're like, oh, oh my God. <laughs> it's, it's nasty. Number four on my list is Chopping Mall. I know it's robots, but I still think it's kind of a slasher. And then my <laughs> okay. last one is... Jason X 2001 <laughs> because out which of, people are going to be so mad that's my only Friday the 13th yeah I was going to say out of all Jason the Friday film, the 13th movies that's the Jason one X. that you choose fuck yeah I love Jason <laughs> X it's stupid as shit and I love it alright 
my honorable mentions. We actually don't have any of the same honorable mentions, funnily enough. Well, that's good. <laughs> so I've got Popcorn 1991, directed by Mark Herrier. I've got Opera Excellent. 1987, directed by Dario Argento. Uh, Slumber Party Massacre 1982, directed by Amy Holden Jones. I Know What You Did Last Summer, 1997, directed by Jim Gillespie. Uh, mm. Sleepaway Camp, 1983, directed by Robert Hil- Hiltzik. Happy Death Day, 2017, directed by Christopher Landon. I thought that one was going to be on your top 10 list. I do like it, but... Not um, as much. Yeah. Yeah. Not as much. Not as much as the ones on my list. <laughs> um, Child's Play, 1988, directed by Tom Holland. Uh, uh, Friday the 13th, the final chapter, aka part four, uh, from 1984, directed by Joseph oh, Zito, I do like that one. which is my absolute favourite Friday the 13th movie, and I think it is by far the best one. Um, I also mm. had... Candyman on my honorable mentions. I don't know where that went, but that one was originally my. <laughs> that was on there. It was originally in my top ten. Yeah, and then it's it's great. It got booted out in the end, but I'm kind of glad it but did because yeah. otherwise our lists would have been <laughs> been exactly very the same. similar. Ah, uh, oh well, that just means we have yep. the same brain, yeah. which I like to reconfirm every once in a while. <laughs> yeah, just make sure we're still in sync. Just check up on it. Well, the full moon grows near. Which means it's time for us to close up shop. And definitely not turn into hideous, slobbering werewolves. Definitely not. (laughs) But you'll be back. You always come back. And we'll always be here, creeping around the Gorporium. See you soon. you for listening and supporting us here at the Gorporium and if you enjoyed this special episode please let us know and we'll make more top 10s in the future. Also a special thank you to our editor Beck Gray, our executive producer Brendan Hill and our dad Tyler Massey for making our theme song. See you next time at the Gorporium.